Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I was here on uh, for, uh, New Year's Eve day, which was 31st, and I didn't get to tell you Happy New Year yet, so it's been a little over a month, and I'm back with you. I'm so delighted to uh, have this invitation to be with you today, and um, some of you uh, were here last time, and uh, you're brave enough to come back, so thank you so much. And some of you, I believe, uh, Darren, you told me there were a, much, a bunch of people sick that day when I, when I came. And if I start coughing a bit, just because I have leftover COVID from two, week, two weeks ago. And uh, so all that stuff's making the rounds again, and I hope you're going to stay well. My name is Alan Schuler. I was a pastor for 35 years, uh, 21 of those here in the South Charlotte area, where I still live. And I work for Provision Financial Resources. We just rebranded last year, been doing this for about seven uh, and a half years. We used to be the North Carolina Baptist Foundation, and I, um, I'm getting used to the new name. I still stumble and say the foundation every once in a while. And just a little personal note, as of last Friday, six weeks from last Friday will be my last day of work with, uh, with uh, provision. Not that I'm counting or anything. Uh, the official retirement day is April the 30th. And Pastor, if you call me, well, maybe I can come a little more often uh, then if you've got some openings. I'd be happy to help you out. Um, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to look together in just a moment at verses 8 through 13. Uh, I'm going to read uh, the passage from the New American Standard Bible. But for about 50 years uh, plus of being a follower of Jesus myself, and in over 40 years of preaching and pastoral ministry, I have read and studied and preached on 1 Corinthians 13 many, many times. I've uh, shared these uh, verses from this passage uh, in weddings, uh, at funerals, looked at it in my devotional life, and have, uh, it's been the subject of messages and Bible, uh, preaching and uh, Bible studies. And let me just say, um, the first part of this chapter, that is uh, verses one through three, focus on the fact that we all have the supreme gifts of God that he's provided for us uh, as gifts of the spirit. But to not have or practice love is to have and practice nothing. And then the second section of this chapter, um, what we call the love chapter, uh, is verses four through seven, and listed there, Paul talks about 15 characteristics of this love, which is a tremendous challenge for those of us who are followers of Christ and trying to incorporate this kind of love into our everyday life. But in the last part of the chapter, which we're gonna read in just a moment, is the final crowning characteristic, which is gonna be the focus of today's message. So if you'll read with me in your Bibles out of uh, beginning with verse number eight, here's what God's word says. 
Love never fails. Say that with me, would you? Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away with. For we know in part and prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. But now, faith, hope, and love remain. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Lord, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts now be acceptable before your sight, and we offer our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I once heard about a church fellowship that had worked for months to renovate their worship center. Everything seemed perfect. The colors, the, the new pulpit furniture, uh, the arrangement of the platform. There just seemed to be one thing in their mindset that was lacking. The church desired to have a scripture passage written across the beam that was just over where the pulpit area was, right above uh, this area, something that would be meaningful, something that would be inspirational in any situation. It had to be appropriate for weddings, for funerals of uh, respected and uh, loved uh, saints of the faith, for the tensions of church business meetings. You all don't have those here. But at any rate, for preaching of the word and the lifting of choruses, the lifting of anthems, the lifting of praise to the Lord. It also had to be appropriate for the confession of penitent sinners at the altar and for the celebrating of baptism, for the celebrating of the Lord's Supper and for the giving of our gifts at our offering time. What would that passage be? Well, let me ask you, what would you have chosen? These are the simple yet powerful and sustaining words chosen from God's word. Across that beam they had printed love never fails. The words seem to fit, don't they? Words for all occasions. Love never fails. Friends, before we look at the, the meat of this passage, just want to say to you, Christian love is unique. It is so unique that it has its own special word in the New Testament. The Greek word is agape. And agape love is different from romantic love. 14 days from now, we're going to have Valentine's Day. 
and we'll celebrate romantic love as we have the tradition of doing on St. Valentine's Day. I, I would urge you, perhaps on Wikipedia, to look up and see who St. Valentine was. He wasn't so much involved in just romantic love, however. But agape love is different from, from romantic love. It's different from familial love, love among a family. It's different from, from sexual desire. It's, it focuses on the good. It focuses on the welfare of the person or the object loved, not on itself. 1 Corinthians 13 is a masterful passage of scripture that describes the entirety of that wonderful kind of love. And in our focal passage for today, we read that agape love has a final and crowning characteristic, and that is this, it never fails. That is to say, love stands forever. When all other things fall down around, this love is there standing. This love endures to the end, no matter what it encounters along the way. Folks, what a wonderful joy and relief is ours as followers of Jesus to have that kind of guarantee. Uh, if you have trusted your life to Jesus as Lord, this gift of love is yours. It has become that in which you can ground your life in God. For God, as we heard in a passage just a moment ago from, from 1 John, God is love. And that agape love will last as long as God lasts, forever. If you think about it, that's better than the Energizer Bunny, isn't it? That keeps going and going and going, the commercial says. In this passage, Paul declares three things about love, giving us several comparisons to illustrate his point. Here's the first point. Paul stresses love's absolute permanency. The fact that love never fails suggests that it's permanent. It will never cease. It will never go away. It simply never fails. Three things Paul says in this passage will pass away but not love. Prophecy, think of preaching, proclamation, prophecy, tongues, and knowledge. He picks these three things, no doubt, in the context of first of the passage uh, in Corinthians because these were highly valued by those Corinthian believers. But the last uh, could be just uh, excuse me, the list could be just about anything that we value, even things that are of a spiritual nature. But let's, let's just take prophecy for a minute. When Paul speaks of prophecy, he is thinking mostly of proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. In 2016, I left the pastorate in a 
local church to work for Provision Financial Resources. After 35 years as a pastor, as I've indicated to you already, but I've done a little calculating. That's to say I preached, uh, let's just say I preached on the average uh, for 35 years, 48 weeks a year for 35 years. That's 1,680 sermons I preached if I only preached one time on Sunday morning and sometimes it was more. And that doesn't even include all the other services, all the weddings, all the funerals, all the Bible studies that I prepared. Now folks, listen, in any church, preaching is an important and indispensable part of that church's life. But what this passage is saying is that all this will someday pass away. All the reading, all the studying, all the thinking, all the praying, all the writing, all the time spent in delivery and all the time that you have spent over the years of your life perhaps listening, all of it will not last. But love will. But love will. It is the one unconquerable thing. Now Darren, I must confess when I, when I realized that I was a little bit discouraged, but also rather humbled. But the reality of this truth that is not negative, it is positive. When everything else is gone, love will remain. Now what does that say to our lives practically? It says at least a couple of things. First of all, it says that when tragedies come, when disappointments rain down on our parade, when failures squeeze the life from us, when sins that may be black, intentional, and ugly weigh down our souls, when we are pained by evil of others, when we are devastated by loss, even loss due to death, that love will never, never, never fail. Problems come up and go. Heartaches come and go. And frustrations come and go. And breaking, breakdowns and breakups come and go. Indeed, people in our lives come and go. But love never does. It's here to stay. And secondly, we must remember not to build our lives on those kinds of things that do not last. You see, careers won't last. As I look upon many, many years in the pastoral and Christian ministry in just a few weeks, a couple of months, a month and a half, I'll be officially retired. It's gone too quickly. Careers don't last. Good times won't last. And houses and money and possessions and property, they won't either. Neither were power or position or social standing, they won't last. Neither will education and degrees and the monuments of humankind that have been built to our ingenuity. 
neither will people or our relationships with them, nor anything we tend to hold so fast to, so dear to in this life. Yet our tendency is to build our lives on these things, isn't it? Rather on God's love. It will never pass away. Love never fails. There's one thing I've found out in the seven and a half years of the ministry I've been involved in with provision. Financial discipleship is what I've been a part of in the last few years. It's not building your life on things. Building your life on love instead. That's what God's word says to us. So here's the second thing uh, that's an emphasis here in, in Paul, Paul's uh, writings here, a second thing. Paul also stresses love's absolute completeness. Uh, he, he does that in three ways in this passage. First of all, he simply says it in verses 9 and 10. He says, for we know in part and prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. Love never fails because it is whole. There is never more. It is God's complete package to us. Now, knowledge in this life is never complete, not for us. We're always just approaching ultimate truth. In fact, those who really uh, have a sense of what knowledge is in life, know that there's always more. There's a humility about it if they, that they recognize that they know so very little. It's the same with prophecy. God reveals to his servants only those things we need to know. In this life, we never have God's perfect vision. We never enter into his full counsel. We are only approaching it by faith. But love, listen, love belongs to the eternal. It is that which is complete. When eternal love lives in your life through Jesus Christ, then you're plugged into the one complete thing that there is here upon this earth. That's one thing. Secondly, Paul said the completeness of love is like moving from childhood to adulthood. Adulthood is the completion of our growing years. When we become adults, things of childhood no longer hold the value or shouldn't hold the value that they once had. Sometimes I chuckle when I read this passage of scripture because that says, when I became a man, I put away childish things because I think of my brother-in-law, Randy. He was a Baptist pastor up in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, unfortunately, went to, uh, died pretty quickly a few years back. But I remember hearing the story about Randy uh, sitting on the floor of his home one night, picking up his child's toys and putting them uh, away as the kids had gone to bed, as he was repeating, when I became a man, I put away childish things. 
Now listen, that's not exactly what Paul had in mind and what he's saying here, but it made this verse stick in my mind. The presence of love in the life of a follower of Jesus gives us no reason to go back to that which was partial. Rather to build our lives on that which is complete. And third here in this passage, Paul compares the completeness <coughs> and clarity of agape love to the dull image of one in a mirror. Now this, this reference possibly for you doesn't make a lot of sense to us because, because uh, our knowing that, uh, without us knowing that in the day of Paul, mirrors were not the clear pieces of uh, reflective glass like we have today. Uh, those, who, uh, th those didn't come into uh, to, to be until about the, thir the 13th century AD. But Paul's references to, to seeing dimly in a mirror would have been uh, especially meaningful to the Corinthians since they were, they were famous for their metallic mirrors. They were highly polished, but still they were an imperfect reflecting device. And in this, in this life, we see things of God like that at times. And then one day, according to the scripture here, according to what Paul is saying, one day we will see things face to face as you are now known to God and by God, you will know him. And that's the completeness of his love. You don't have to wait for a personal Reflection of his love, you see it in the face of Jesus when he's Lord of your life. When things seem unclear, when things seem a bit childish and immature, when things seem partial, realize that love is complete for love never fails. And finally, we see in this passage, Paul stresses this, that love's absolute supremacy. There are three great things that will last, declares Paul, faith, hope, and love. I once read that this passage, or this statement, faith abides because it trusts, it is trust in God's a saving work revealed in Jesus. And only those who trust in Jesus will know God's grace and peace. And hope abides because it is faith that perseveres and is serene in the confidence in God. But folks, as great as faith and, and hope are, love is still greater. Love abides because it is God's nature. It is therefore everlasting as God himself is. William Barclay wrote these words, faith without love is cold and hope without love is grim, and, but love is the fire that kindles faith and love is the light that turns hope into, into certainty. You know, there was a time 
When I served as a, a pastor in First Baptist Church of Petersburg, Virginia, that a little local church in that small town in south of Richmond, they would, they would list your sermon topic and they would list your scripture. I once read about a pastor who called his local paper to give him that, them that information. What's the title, asked the advertiser's person's name uh, to, the, uh, to the minister. And his, uh, <clears throat> and, his, and his response was, the greatest of these is love. Is that all he was asked? And the minister replied, that's enough. And when the church page came out, the pastor's sermon read like this, the greatest, love, the greatest of these is love, that's enough. My friends, agape love is all you need. When Jesus is Lord of your life, Love is always there. It is the greatest of all because why? Say it with me. Love never fails. In conclusion, I'd like to share a personal story. It was during the summer of 1973 when I first began to have a sense that God was calling me in, into, the past, into ministry as a pastor. And I say it that way because, listen, we know the Bible affirms that every Christian is really in ministry and service called to that. But mine just happened to be pastoral. And once, one of the factors that led me uh, to be called was when I thought about how many people I knew who needed to know of this agape love of God. I was a fairly new Christian. But I knew that the love of the Lord was what we needed more than anything else in our individual lives as well as in the lives, lives of church congregations. So I committed myself then to have a ministry of love if God was calling me into the ministry. I'm hoping that in these ensuing years that, uh, that I've kept my commitment to God way back then uh, yes, I, there, <coughs> there have been times I've tried to exercise my spiritual gifts, uh, God, gifts that God have, has given to me without love, and the result pretty much has been nothing, I'm sure, in, in my life and in the lives of people. And yes, I have not always lived up to the description of that kind of love, those 15 characteristics that I've mentioned to you in the middle part of 1 Corinthians but I've never changed the conviction that what the church, what the world, what individuals need is that love that's been manifested to us in the face and in the person of Jesus Christ. The love that only can be found in a personal relationship with Jesus as Lord, where he is Lord and Savior of your life. Thus as individuals and as a family, as a church family, you who are on mission, in a sense being in transition because you're looking for a new pastor, 
I want to urge you as you enter into that next adventure that God has for you, I urge you to continue in the love of Christ. Continue to share it among yourselves. Continue to share it with those who are lost and broken and desperately need the love of God in Christ. And continue to live it in, live in it and live out of it in your daily lives. For you see, the truth is simple. Love never fails. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we ask that you would plant your word deeply within us. Indeed, that you've already planted your love in us through the Lord Jesus coming and living as Lord in our lives. And if there would be anyone here today who's never trusted that love that you've manifested on the cross of Christ, that you would help them to open their hearts, even seek counsel on how to trust Jesus, or perhaps just trusting now by opening their hearts confessing their wrongdoing and sin, allowing the love of Jesus to pour over them through your love and grace. Hear our prayers. Take hold of our lives. Thank you that love never fails. In Jesus' name, amen.